at one of my favorite books is uh, Let My People Go Surfing by the Patagonia founder, Yvonne Chouinard. And he talks about how the best brand you can be is you want to be nonfiction versus fiction, right? When, you, when you're nonfiction, you're the truth. You don't have to think about, you're not some made up fictional character. You don't have to think about what your brand is. And I think that with, from a CEO perspective with social media, you just need to share what you're doing as you're doing those things within your company. And so that could be- You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn the f up. This episode is sponsored by Rebe, the marketing analytics platform that gives you answers instead of more data. If you're looking at boosting conversions and understanding where you're going wrong, then you have to check out Rebe. No more wasting time on Google Analytics by looking through irrelevant data. Now you can get to the crux of your tracking and measuring efforts in just a few simple clicks. So how does it work? After you connect Rebe to your or your client's site, everything is tracked and analyzed automatically. That means whenever you launch a new campaign, landing page, promotion, or piece of content, you don't need to worry about those annoying tracking codes. You'll immediately have all the data you need in a user-friendly dashboard. Also, Arebi lets you create conversion funnels in just a few seconds. And you get to see how your visitors behave through these flows on your site. They also have cool integrations with platforms like Facebook, HubSpot, MailChimp. So make sure you check them out. They have a seven-day free trial. And the Marketing Millennials listeners get 20% off all plans with the promo code TMM20. That's T as in the, Amazon Marketing, Amazon Millennials 20. Or you can go to aribi.io backslash TMM. That's O-R-I-B-I dot I-O backslash TMM. Or use a link in the show notes below to claim this amazing discount. What's up, DG? Welcome to the podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. You're a legend in the making. I'm happy to be here. Like, how long have you been really active on social media? Like, two years? Yeah, probably just coming up in two years now. I see your stuff everywhere. So, shout out to you. You've done, you've done an awesome job, and I think you talk about you talk about stuff like in the in the sphere of things that I that I like, like brand and and B two B. And I know that's some of the stuff that we'll talk to today. So just hats off to you for the job you've done. It's awesome. I appreciate it. And I think you were one of the originators of posting on LinkedIn before LinkedIn was a thing. So hats off to you too. I mean, yeah, which is like which is ridiculous. People say that all the time. Like I didn't like I. This was like only like five years ago. The only change was like we. I remember this. This was like early drift days, and and like David Cancel and I were like going back and forth. We would talk a lot about social media and just kind of different channels and what we saw and like we started to notice that like things that we would post on LinkedIn would just blow up. And I blow up as relative to like what we'd see on any other channel like Twitter or anything. And the the engagement was amazing. And because it was LinkedIn, it was like, these were all real people. And it was like, hey, look, this is the guy in marketing ops at Service Titan. Look, it's the the woman who runs demand gen at SurveyMonkey. And so like, 
it became this amazing channel because we were actually we actually felt like we were reaching our our dream customers, you know. And then at the same time, you know, Gary V went on his like LinkedIn, LinkedIn and TikTok, LinkedIn and TikTok, LinkedIn and TikTok thing. And so I think we, you know, I just like I was able to take advantage of it when the the organic reach was was super high, and through that, I learned like how to copyright and how to. Not that it, you have to be an amazing copywriter because the stuff that I write is not amazing, but just like how to sh- how to like have something to contribute every day. And I think that's that's a skill that I had somebody send me a note the other day, and they're like, "I wrote this long post the other day, and it took off more than anything I posted recently." And sorry, this is a ramble. I hope this is interesting to some people, but like, I literally wrote that sitting on the front steps for two minutes, waiting for my my kids to get home. And it wasn't like this contrived moment, like this afternoon, I'm going to pour my heart out and write. I just was like, I had an idea and I sat down, I just kind of kind of wrote it. And I think that the the key to being like successful on any of these channels is is to like actually have a passion for something and know know the thing that you're talking about. And so just it's hard to fake. And so this is a long winded way of saying one of the one of the cool things that we did in the early days of Drift that helped was just kind of share what we're doing as we're doing it in marketing in the company. And I was like lucky to ride that wave and I've kind of just been sharing that type of stuff for the last five years. My opinions on marketing, things that I'm doing and learning. And when you publish stuff like that, you seem to attract like minded people and, and that's how we we got here. I think that people underestimate the power of like also, the two things that you said there, one, just writing your thoughts down when you have them, like ideas, notes, anything you want to spell on a piece of paper, write down. And then two, it's just like social media is like a, a conversation. So the people who keep it formal are the ones that are failing because what you just said, I wrote this when I was on the stairs waiting for my kids is like, what you would probably do talking to your friend if you were talking about that topic. Like it would be a random spur of a moment talking about that topic to a friend. So Yeah. Um, and 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 I think like people wonder why social media doesn't work for a lot of B2B companies. And it's because they just want to treat it like a channel to promote your message. And it's like, hey, we you know our, our CEO is going to be at this event. Let's hop on the trending hashtag for the event and and tweet out thoughts related. It's like that that strategy does not work anymore. That is that that was like V one social media. We're like, wow, just because the CEO was on social media, hey, cool, this CEO's on social media using a hashtag. That era is over. People have 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 moved past it, and everybody can see through it. And so, like the better things. I mean, look at look at Elon. Right, that guy tweets out like you know three word tweets at two in the morning, and it's like. Obviously, he people follow him because of you know he's he's Elon and and he's like the the ultimate PR man, but like they want the real stuff. They want I want they, I, I, at least the people I follow. I wanted to feel like that was actually you that typed into your phone and and wrote that. And so even like in the comments back, I comment to people and I just say like the silly thing that might have popped in my head. Like it's like somebody commented on that post today about the like marketing super team. They're like. I wish I could see Steve Jobs and Gary V fight. And I'm like, well, Steve Jobs is dead, you know. Like, <laughs> I or, or like, you know, or, or or like I commented, like, you know, like Beyonce at four bucks is a steal. And I think you just have to be, you have to have some actual personality to show up and and like get on people's radars. And then the other thing is, I do see some people will be like, oh, we get it, dude. There's more to life than B two B marketing. And I'm like, there is lots more to life beyond B two B marketing. And I. 
live in many parts of it, but this slice online, I'm focused on like, and that's why I even put like in my Twitter bio, like tweets mostly about marketing, right? Because that's how I'm using these platforms. I'm, I'm, I'm not always using these platforms to be like, look at this awesome burrito I bought. I'm choosing to use my, the social media channels that I have to focus around this niche that I care about and work in, which is B2B marketing, so I can build businesses and do things in that area, of course. I think that that's the only way that things will ever take off. And you don't have to build an audience on social media. So if you're listening to this and you're rolling your eyes and it's totally fine, but this is for like the people who've like, I've always wanted to know how I could grow you know, social media for my brand or personal or whatever. And I think that you have to focus on a niche, right? And like, even, even you in this show, like Mark, like this show is a perfect example of a niche and, and why it's taken off and been effective, right? You, you, you don't just have the B2B marketing podcast. You took the angle of marketing millennials podcast, right? That, that, that's what you, that's what you have. And so I think like I focus on B2B where if I posted about, and I see this all the time, I could post like, I'll post like a J. Cole lyric and, it, and nobody, I'll get like one, one like on that tweet. But if I post like webinars suck, you know, and there's like a hundred comments, it's like, okay, that just shows that the people who are following me are not following me for, for, for my takes on, on the other things that I like. They're here for, for B2B marketing. And so I think you have to focus on a niche. If you show up on social media, like so many companies do and try to talk about a hundred topics, you're never going to build a following there. I get hate a lot of the time because I don't post like personal stuff all the time on social media and people like you only talk about marketing, but it's funny because I feel like personality could be shown through many different ways. And like you show personality by like your videos and how you talk and like personality doesn't have to be like all the time, like talking about like your whole life, like personality is like you. I don't have to have a public comment on everything that's happening outside of the B2B marketing world because I'm posting about that topic. You know, like I think I'm choosing to focus on this topic as a way, like that's the area that I'm putting information out and I'm treating it as like a publishing platform for, for me. And so I think it just makes it easier. Like I, I focus, this is mainly what I focus on B2B marketing. And I, earlier in my career, when I was like, not really sure what I was using Twitter for, I would post that like B2B marketing type stuff during the day. And then I'd be like, you know, watching a Red Sox game at night and be like, whoa, did you see that? You know, and like, you know how people like when you tweet something that's kind of supposed to be happening in context, like that wasn't a very effective strategy either. And so I think just the the power of focusing on a niche where you would find it valuable to be known is kind of like the best approach approach for social media. If you care about it from a brand, a brand building perspective, maybe you don't, 100% fine. Like, Shout out to all my friends in finance who are like, dude, I'm not, I don't need, I don't need a Twitter. I, I don't need you on Twitter. And that, that's totally fine. But for that cross section of people who are interested in marketing, want to build a brand for the company that they're working, you know, help, help the, maybe you're a founder, maybe you're a marketer, maybe you want to do it for, for yourself to help grow your, your career and your own stuff. I think that's the way to go. That's awesome. I wanted to dive into a question that I was thinking about is how do you think about brand? differently from you being at the starting of Drift to your own personal brand to now like being at Drift at the size it is because they're all like different stages of companies and different type of brand. Like how do you think of it differently and how do you think of it the same? Well, I think when I talk about brand, I don't mean that I am a creative director and you know, I am good at picking logos and making designs. I'm not. I think that's one element of that. And I'm lucky to work with smart people who are. But like, when I think about brand, I think about reputation. 
And I think that my approach to, to marketing is focused on reputation. And so I think that is something that it just, reputation evolves over time. And so like very early days of Drift, you could go back and, and it's like, there was 5,000 MarTech tools, nobody had ever heard of Drift. And so like mission number one with brand there is to like, how do we get people to hear of Drift? Right, because it, marketing is really just like, how do you get people to know, like, and trust you? <laughs> If you can get people to know, like, and trust you, then you will be in the conversation for, for when they buy. I don't know if you saw this. You might have been messaging a lot, but this was posted in, in, in uh, I want to give the group credit, Online Geniuses or something like that. I don't know. What a, what a name. And people give me a hard time about DGMG. So there was an AMA and Seth Godin was asked about like what's different with B2B marketing. I think this is so relevant. The secret is in understanding that the people who are buying from you are still people. And one big difference is that they're spending someone else's money. And your job is not to deal with their story of money. Your job is to give them a story they can tell their boss. Right. And so, like, if I'm making a decision to buy a $100 jacket, that's on me. <laughs> but if I'm making a decision to buy a $50,000 SaaS product, that has implications on, you know, my boss, the company, the whole organization. I, I, I thought that was. That was great. And so he goes on to say, if you can't, your job is to give them a story they can tell their boss. If you can't, then the only story that's available to tell them is either I bought the tool that we used last time or I bought the cheaper one. (laughs) And think about it. How true is that, right? Like that's a default to what we do as consumers, right? We're like, we're going to buy the thing again because we've already used it and it's fine and it works. Or we're going to go try to find the cheapest one. In this B2B SaaS world, like all of these SaaS tools are essentially, even though the founders at these companies would be crushed to hear this, but like almost every product is a commodity now, simply because there's like 10,000 sales and marketing tools. And so the perception is, ah, if I don't like Drift, if I don't like how Drift does it, I can Google another competitor and I can I can go use them, right? And so everybody in B2B is not going to quickly purchase something. They are shopping at three, four, five different competitors. And so early days of Drift, the goal was like, how do we get into that conversation? And that was, we took this wedge that like we were going to create a narrative around creating this kind of shared villain, which is the old way of doing marketing, which is about forms and follow-ups and friction. And we're going to tell this new story about no forms and we call it conversational marketing. So like we were able to create this movement within that space to build our brand, right? Now you kind of fast forward five years later or whatever, and there's an established company. It's a different exercise. And I, I can't share like entirely what I'm what I'm working on now just for the sake of the, the company, but like it's an entirely different exercise around reputation because you have to take the ingredients into like, well, the ingredients of new startup trying to like punch up and come on the scene and they have nothing is a different approach than like, well, this company has you know, thousands of customers. Okay, cool. And they have these case studies and they have these examples and they have these testimonials and they have proof and they've been in these markets and they've built these products and here's where they're going. You have to like figure out which ingredients you have at which stage of the company and you use those to then figure out like, how are we going to go build a reputation for this thing? And ultimately it comes down to the fact that like, there's just so much noise in the world. Everything is easier from a buying perspective, everything is easier if people have heard of your company, they think they might know it, they think they might like it, and they think they might trust it, and they're going into that uh, that buying conversation with those things versus the cold knock on the door. And it's like, hey, it's Dave from, you know, waggle.io. And you're like, what? I don't, I, I've never heard of that. Versus if you're doing, like, if you're doing outbound and you're like, 
you know, you work at Zoom, it's it's much easier than a company nobody's ever heard before. And so I think like it all comes down to building a reputation for the company. Yeah, I love that because I was listening to a podcast you did and it kind of like resonated with me on like that works on every single channel because like what you should do to distribute content when you're and stuff when you're a startup is different than what you should do to just distribute stuff when you're drift than what you should do when you're like like an oracle for example when you've like been around for like hundreds yeah, of years the, the, the goals are different like early days of drift we were literally like i would spend half of my day we, we would write a new a new blog post and i would spend legitimately five hours out of my day sending one-off emails and one-off linkedin messages trying to send people to that post that was my job <laughs> And it worked. We put out good content that was opinionated and, and like interesting at the time. And the one-to-one outreach was not like, hey, Dan, you work in marketing. Check out my article, right? It was like, actually, I spent half a day building up a research, like a prospecting list. And I treated it like prospecting from a sales perspective, but I was prospecting to get our message in front of them. And the way that we were doing that was through content. Not not None of it, it wasn't a drift sales pitch. It was like, here's why we killed lead forms on our website. And it was like a 3,000 word article that had the full story about why we did that. I'm spending half my day reaching out to 50 people that I want to see that because we don't have the traffic. And like, you you know, it's almost like ABM with a piece of content. It would be tough to justify someone's time on the team doing that today because we're probably already connected to those people. There's an existing website. Like today, that time would better be, would probably be better spent on conversion optimization and and SEO and and like thinking about it from a search and a traffic standpoint. It's just like those are two different jobs at two different stages of the company. To me, like the thing that gets missed a lot is that I don't mean the I don't mean the logo and I don't mean the website. I mean all of the pieces that go into like the brand bucket. And when I talk about brand, that means reputation. And so I think that the best way to build a reputation as a brand today is through content and social media. And so that is like videos, podcasts, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all the channels, YouTube. That's how consumers, regular like regular people get information about things. And the goal as a marketing team is to kind of like reverse engineer that and become your own publishing team so you can build a reputation for, for your brand. And the best part is when you do all those things, demand gen, revenue, product marketing, whatever, they all have great assets that you can leverage to then go go do their jobs. And by the way, when you do those things in the first bucket, become a publisher, you build an audience. And so what was really powerful about what we did at Drift is before we even launched our product publicly, we had about three to 5,000 people on a waiting list that we had built up. We're pushing content out to them. And so we're already getting a like direct feedback from the people who we'd want to sell to, not about our product, but about these related topics. And so I just think like having that layer with, with your company is such a boost to the other teams. Like imagine if product marketing and, and demand gen could have a direct line to customers. That's what happens when you can build an audience. And so it's not about the creative stuff. It's about the reputation stuff. I know you have a book coming out, Founder Brands, but like there's a movement going on like in the whole space, even in e-commerce that like influencers are building brands. Like, and now like there's a movement, like if you go into B, B2B space, it's kind of the same movement if you think about it. Like Drift, like when I think of Drift, I think of you and 
David Cancel. And then I, when I think of like Gong, I think of Udi. When I think of Salesforce, I think of Mark Benioff. Like I actually did like, that helps me remember those like companies. Like I don't remember, like, like those are top of mind companies. I, like if you'd said to me like, otter.io like i don't know it because someone's talked about it but like if i was thinking of top of mind companies it's all because there was a personal brand attached to it even like with e-commerce skims yeah. kim kardashian like all these like big brands like you think of it because there's a brand a, a personal brand attached to it yeah i mean it's like the decentralization of of marketing almost in some way where people want to work with people they want to you know they don't want to work with corporate like nameless baseless logos, they want to hear from people. And I think that's one of the unique things that social media gives you is like the opportunity to share what you're doing with people in a niche. And like the internet has just like created communities of like like-minded people, granted for for better or worse, right? Where people can congregate online. And so that could mean you're into NFTs or you like CrossFit or you're into B2B marketing or you're into finance. And like it just created a way to have these these communities online. Those people don't want to hear from brands; they want to hear from actual real people. And the, I found that the best the best experiences they want to hear from not the PR person, not marketing Dave. They want to hear from the founder, the person who they feel like is kind of you know in in there doing the work, sharing the behind the scenes stuff. I think it gives you a huge advantage when you're comfortable as the founder or executive or CEO or whatever of sharing what you're what you're doing. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he really wants me to start like a golf brand and I do want to do that just not right now. But we were talking about how like one of the best strategies to market that business would be to announce that I'm doing a golf brand and then start a podcast or YouTube series or vlog where I'm just sharing the whole process of me building a golf brand from from the bottom up and there's a new episode every week, you know, that would be the best marketing you could come up with for that company at that moment of time. And so I think I think Andy Raskin said it like in the early drift days with like we were doing like reality TV marketing and it might not have been as good as the as the housewives, but it was interesting enough to people that worked in the space that we're trying to sell to. And I think you can build credibility when you do that through the through the founder or an actual face of somebody at the company. It just like plays on that trust and credibility principle that we all kind of look for as consumers. Yeah, I, going into that even deeper, like how do you, why do you think a lot of like B two B executives like or like B two B mark like leaders like ignore these like top of funnel like channels so much? I know it's the measuring conversation, but like. It's just kind of obvious to me, like you see multiple companies doing it, it works. Like, why aren't you like replicating? Is it just because they, the old playbook or what do you think? No, I think, I mean, I think there's usually, there's usually a couple of variables. It could be different for everyone. For a lot of people, they don't feel like it's worth the time, you know, or they feel like they need to be doing more important things like recruiting, finance, fundraising, you know. HR and those are all important, but I would argue that this is <laughs> so is uh, successfully marketing and promoting your your business. And there's people who don't believe in you know, we don't need to do marketing and promotion. That, that's fine. I don't have time to convince anybody of doing that or not. But like, I think that as the 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 CEO of the company, marketing is has to be a, a huge point of something that you focus on. And I think that one of the best ways to do it is is through your personal brand. 
uh, your, or your personal page or whatever, but they feel like they got too many other things. And so that that's like number one is like they don't, they haven't seen the value of it. And so I think you have to be able to point people to, you have to tell a story beyond like sales ROI. And it's really hard. I mean, you know this, you've done a great job on social, but like you can't really understand it until you start posting things there regularly and you start getting comments and feedback and you get new ideas and you know somebody added a comment that actually could turn into your next like keynote presentation. And so there's a lot of things like that are in the measurement bucket, but they can't justify the time. They also, they, they don't know what to say. <laughs> they don't actually know what to say. And so instead what they do is they just kind of like take some like canned tweets from the PR that the PR team writes for them. And they just become like overly promotional and not feel authentic or real. And I, I think they just, there's a lot of misconceptions about how much time that it takes and, and what you have to share. And I think that one of my favorite books is uh, Let My People Go Surfing by the Patagonia founder, Yvonne Chouinard. And he talks about how the best brand you can be is you want to be nonfiction versus fiction, right? When, you, when you're nonfiction, you're the truth. You don't have to think about, you're not some made up fictional character. You don't have to think about what your brand is. And I think that with, from a CEO perspective with social media, you just need to share what you're doing as you're doing those things within your company. And so that could be interesting, interesting meetings, conversations with customers, events that you're at. Hey, I'm, I'm backstage, you know, about to meet with 10 of our top customers to talk about X, Y, and Z. Like it's more about sharing what's kind of going on behind the scenes to take like the Gary V stuff that everybody loves. It's, it's a document don't create, but it's about your niche and what you're doing. I think that works as a magnet to attract people into what into what you're doing. And who's doing that in B2B today? No, nobody's doing that. 90% of the LinkedIn feed is like, PS, my company won this like, you know, Boston Business Journal Award, or we're hiring, or sign up for our webinar tomorrow. And so I think when you can actually tell that real story about what's going on, you can do the things you want to do that we mentioned earlier, build trust, credibility, and authority in your space. Yeah, people always say to me, like, oh, the LinkedIn space is like crowded. I'm like, yeah, I mean it's probably one per, less than 1%, but less than 1% still a lot of people. And like the people who are getting the most attention are putting out better stuff. So if you slightly better than the 1% that is posting, you've got, you can build an audience pretty easily. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, like uh, to your other, you, you know, back to your question about like, why do most CEOs or whoever, why don't they do it? I also think that like, you have to find a format that works for that CEO where some people might not want to stick their camera stick their face in front of a camera and make a videos all the time and that's uncomfortable. And so you don't have to do video, right? Or you don't have to be on social media. Maybe you like to long form write. Awesome. Then the channel that I would pick to build that founder's brand would more be like let's write a weekly column on our blog on Friday that she writes, you know, over the week or whatever, but then we'll also take a version of that and, and use it for LinkedIn. Or, you know, that, that's how we started Seeking Wisdom at Drift. Like we, we, we tried to do a solo podcast for David and he didn't really like just kind of like, it was hard for him to carry a conversation by himself. Not everyone can talk as much out loud as I can. <laughs> and uh, so we went in there to, to like, we changed the format. I, I started interviewing him and we got better content out of that. And it went from like, I was just originally going to be kind of off mic and just interview him and get answers. And we published them as a podcast, but it turned into a conversation. And so that's, we use that channel. Like I, I pretended like my job as uh, on Seeking Wisdom was to like be the host and like pull the ideas out of him who was the talent. And so that's how we did that because he wasn't going to be the type of founder that was just going to like 
make three videos a day and post them on his social media channel. That, that's not who he is. So we, we got it out of him. And so I think you have to understand what's the best way to get this content out of the founder. That's how I think about it too. Like video is not my strong suit. So I stuck with images and text and voice in a podcast because I don't like being on video. But right. And then people always try to force me to do video. And I'm like, nope, like I'm fine with building my brand the way I'm building it. If you want, we can get on private Zooms together and chat it out if you want to go on video, but I'm not going to go create videos all day for this, for my own brand. Um, yeah, for sure. So how do you think about like long-term versus short-term like marketing plays? Like also I heard an interesting conversation. I'm bringing up stuff that you've talked about, but like the CMOs like 10 years really short. So like, obviously like a lot of them think and their goals are pretty hefty. So they think about all these short-term things, but like someone who's like a founder thinks of things like, okay, what are, my brand needs to be around 10 years from now, not three years from now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how do you think of like mixing marketing efforts like that? Well, one like hack, I guess that I've learned now that I've come up with is to like create some type of like brand anchor that you're always kind of working on or, or investing in. And that's your brand. That's like the brand play. Because I think what happens is you're 100% right. And when you're, when you're the marketing leader, you know it's great to listen to Dave Gerhardt talk about the benefits of brand and doing all these creative and fun things. But like, you got to hit the number. <laughs> you know, you got to hit the number. Like sales team is on you. The, the CEO is on you. The board is going to be on, is on the CEO. Like it's a high pressure job. Well, not relative to like actual things in life, but like it's a, it's, you know, you have big goals and you have to try to hit them. And so you're not thinking about what your organic traffic is going to look like in two years. Unfortunately, you're like, shoot, I got to build enough pipeline in the next 90 days or I'm going to like start to have some hard conversations with everybody. And so it's easy to focus on that. But what I've found is like, when you talk about brand, you're like, well, well, what does that mean? Like when you say do long-term things, what, what does that mean? I've found that like having something like an anchor type of show, I think I like how Wistia talks and thinks about this around like brand affinity, where like you're creating a show for that purpose. And so you're creating a podcast or you're writing a book or you're doing a, a video series or you have some type of quarterly virtual event. Like I like the idea of like circling the activities like, hey, these are the five priorities in marketing. This one is like the brand play. And so like, for example, at Privy, we were pretty focused on like hardcore, like direct response marketing because it was an app store play. And so like all the distribution was through Shopify app store and, and ads. And so we we're spending on digital channels, SEO and the app store. But beyond that, the way that we were building our brand was we said, hey, this year we're going to launch e-commerce e marketing show. It's going to be hosted by Ben. We're going to focus on the CEO. We're going to focus on building his brand. And so the way that we measured brand was our goal this year is to publish 50 episodes of this podcast, one basically every other week. And then we want to use that podcast to write a book. And so like the way I, I articulated what our brand goals were to the CEO and the board was not some like, we're going to focus on the brand. It's like, here's all the things we're doing to hit the number today. But here's the, I want to like, I got two slides on here's how we're building our brand. I give the whole 
speech about how brand equals reputation. And so what we're going to try to do over the next year to elevate the brand at Privy is launch this show. We're going to publish it every week. We'd love to get to this many downloads. We're also going to launch a Facebook community and we got the book. And so then when we talk about brand, we actually have like tangible things that we're doing and then can measure against. And so we're like, we measured the podcast by number of listeners. We measured the Facebook community by number of members, right? And we measured the book by number of copies sold. And so we can actually present like tangible brand things beyond the website logo design. And I think if you look at the mix, those things need to be like probably 30% of what you're doing. And so 70% of what we're doing is the direct response, revenue generating. There's a much faster sales cycle. So it wasn't really pipeline building. It was more who's buying. But the revenue generating activities for today, while those things now will compound. And so now, two years later, I'm not there anymore, but they've been doing the podcast for almost two years now. They have the wind at their back from a brand and reputation perspective now because of the investment over the last two years. And so I I just like to think about like we're earmarking like when we talk about we're going to build our brand this year. What are like you actually have to name some tactics and name some projects. and, And I like the the content play because you also get to use that content for everything else. And so video from the podcast could be used for Facebook ad campaigns, right? All of the guests you've had on your podcast could be used to speak at an event. You can use that content in a million different ways. I like the leverage that you get from it, but I don't think it's more than probably 30% of what the team and budget and everybody should be spending their time on. You know, one thing I think that, that I got from that whole conversation, a big part of it is like, like focus like because i think that's like i've been in a lot of like marketing teams where like there's like a thousand marketing goals but like if you trail it down to like what are the big like things i want to knock down to like this year or this this quarter and go after yeah. that it becomes so much easier to, this is like, perfect focus. timing for this because i think like you could get on a whiteboard and li- literally write out a marketing plan, marketing goals should not be a list of to-dos, right? I think that there's there's probably 50 things you could do in any marketing team right now across any channel. Like you could you there's many ways to do things. You have to have, I think as a market if you if this is for marketing leaders or whoever, even if you run a piece of the mar- marketing team like product marketing, right? You have to be able to beyond the goals, before you get to the goals, you have to articulate the strategy. And so, what is it that we're trying to do in what time frame? And then you have to have an opinion on like how you're how we're going to get there. And so one of the goals that we set was to build the brand, right? To become the leader in e-commerce marketing for small businesses. Uh, okay, well, how are we going to do that? Well, the tactics that we chose were to launch this podcast and do this book, right? I think that any marketing leaders that I've learned from, they've always kind of had some story about the what the marketing strategy is. And then they set goals off of that. You're not just like making up, you know, you're not just creating a laundry list of marketing goals. You're like, hold on, let's actually think about what role does marketing play in this company? Do you know that first? Okay, well, at Privy, it was like kind of twofold. Number one is bring in trialers into the product and be an educational resource for Shopify store owners. Those are the two guiding principles, right? From there, then we can go and make a marketing plan because we we actually like can articulate what we need to do as a marketing team. And so I think to your point, Dan, before you have that laundry list of goals, like if you have a story about what what your strategy is, what is the why does marketing exist at your company and what do you need to do? And so often it comes down to like there's really only two things that the CEO wants out of marketing, and that is 
pipeline and the story. And pipeline could mean sales, right? They want sales and the story. And beyond that, like you don't need to put those in your in your marketing plan. I don't know where I'm going, but but uh, no, I I like that because I I think like most marketers that I've seen have the one side of it where it's like they have a plan to get pipeline, but they don't have the other plan. Like, what is the story I'm trying to tell? Like, it's like, yeah, and and how are you going to do that beyond like how are you going to how are you going to tell that story beyond? spending 70 grand and hiring Gartner and doing the whole like traditional analyst relations play. There is value to doing that sometimes for some companies. But I think what's powerful, and this goes all the way back to like our earlier conversation about social media and brand and whatever, you can be your own publishing company today. That's like the biggest, that's the biggest thing. And so like, as you develop your, what is a story your company needs to tell? 10, 20 years ago, that used to be like, even 10 years ago, that used to be like, we got to find a way to come up with a hook and maybe we'll raise, you know, there's money to raise with it and we'll give it to TechCrunch as an exclusive and maybe they'll write it like today as a company, as literally the vendor of the, you're selling the things, right? You can create your own publishing company. You can have a podcast, you can have a newsletter, you can have a blog, you can have a YouTube channel. So you can like, you have the tools today to not just like tell the story but spread that message as well. And like that's why you have to invest in those channels because you can build up your own publishing company. And so I think like, you know, Drift is a good example of that. Because we did those things early on, when we needed to make like announcements, we didn't have to come up with some crazy, sexy like plot or, you know, hire a six-figure PR agency. Most of the initial traction that we got was from like David or myself or others at the company posting on LinkedIn or sending an email to our list. And so like we created our own audience. You can become your own publishing company. That's why that's this is so powerful today. You don't have to like develop the story and then like wait for the big trade show to like print it on brochures and, and hand it out to people. Yeah. And I think another great point you brought up right there is like the difference of like owning an audience and like renting an audience. Because even like people talk about email as like the only owned audience. I think like even like Dave's LinkedIn is your own, you, you technically own that audience and that, that platform. Like nobody else has your following. Like you can't, they can come unless you sell your account, they can even and do something with it. They're not going to own your audience. Like, and that's like, like a lot of people are, are building their brand off of rented things like Facebook, like Google, like, Gartner, like G2 crowd, like these are all rented spaces where they're buying into, but like email, social media are owning audience where you could put out a PR thing and your audience will spread it for you because they, they love and are raving fans of you. Yeah. The key though, is like, this is where it kind of falls off in B2B because it's like, let's say own your, like you have a, a following on Twitter or LinkedIn, right? It doesn't just happen magically. Like as a brand, you have to post things that gain followers. And that is interesting, educational, like that's good content. (laughs) And so, you know, where this all comes back to is like treat social media like a direct response channel or like an advertising channel. Wonder why it's not growing your followers. Wonder why your, your company's not building an audience. Like it all comes back to that. So you can't just take this advice and just go like, well, we're going to post on social and that that's going to, that's going to magically work. It's got to come down to the content. The other thing is, there are some companies that they might have success building up audiences on social. 
the ideal move is you you obviously it's great that I have a hundred thousand followers on LinkedIn, but it doesn't mean anything unless they're actually on my email list because the LinkedIn thing could go away at any minute. And there's like probably ninety eight percent of them that I don't ever reach with anything that I post. And so I've tried to move that audience over to email. And so out of a hundred thousand people that follow me on LinkedIn, I my email list is only six thousand people. But I think that's the most valuable nugget is that six, that 6,000 on email is the most valuable audience. But here's where I'm going with this. The challenge is though, for most B2B companies, let's say you do that and you're using social media and you're building up a following and you're using content and you're using content to build your email list. Now you got this email list. The tendency is to just send them sales shit. And promotional offers and webinar. Ah, like I know, I know this is for content, but we really should send them an invite to tomorrow's webinar. We really, you know, sales sales saw that one of the people that signed up is at one of our target accounts. You know, we're going to reach out, and that's where this starts to get really muddy. Is because the things that you would do to build an audience and to build an email list are different than the things you do to like to sell to someone, right? And I think that's where it starts to get slippery is the natural forces inside of a company want to like then nurture that list and think it's going to just magically turn into sales. And that's not that's not always the best way to approach it. Yeah, I, I actually love that because I, I see that all the time. It's like they someone puts me on an email list for following and then they like sell me their, like every email they send me is about their course, like, or about their, or about their, their company or something like that. Like, the best ones are like, okay, you get me on and then you give me nuggets of gold in your email. And I want to open, there's a reason for me to come back and open your email every week. Because once you send me three or four in a row, the, the likelihood of me opening that email is, especially how crowded email is today, the likelihood of me opening that email is pretty low. So it's like, they're coming to you because you gave them value on some platform. And then the values is transferring to an email list where you have to still keep their attention. Like the attention is not automatically earned since they're on your email list. And that's the big mistake. It's like, it's not, you still continually have to earn people's attention. Yeah. And, and, and I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of chatter in like in B2B about, you know, lead generation and contact building like a contact database. But, you know, most companies now are doing like ABM targeted lists high intent type of stuff. I just believe that there's another role that marketing plays and that is to build an audience. Through marketing you can build you can build an audience that your company can later can then market to. <laughs> you can build an audience of people who know like and trust you. And so even if you're doing that like ABM top 100 account thing, like there's still huge value in but what if you could build an email list of a hundred thousand people because you created a publication about a topic that your industry cares about. Like both of those things help each other. No matter what I was doing, if I was in B two B, if I was a B two B software company or a photographer or a golfer or whatever, I would always like create some type of content around the actual brand that's about helping that helping the audience. And so it's about like either sharing my story or providing education or entertainment that that's a huge advantage that you can have. And like, that's how you use content to, to build an audience. I just wish that I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it more, but like, I wish that more B2B companies understood that outside of just like the hardcore pipeline building activities, like start a publication, start a podcast, start a, start a vlog, start a YouTube series 
a lot of them do that, but then it still becomes like a veil, like a sneaky like product promo. And somehow it's like, well, let's, you know, let let's feature our customers in it. And like I'm all about customer marketing and like, you know, customer centric customer centricity, but like it always is like, well, once you start putting your customers in it, does it become a sales pitch for your for your product? Because like the best way to to really build an audience is to not ever is to not ever sell. And so, you know, how do you create the number one resource for CFOs to pay attention to if you sell to CFOs, but you don't ever like bring products in, into that world? That, that's the that's the approach you have to take. If you were a media company, how, how would you do it? Not not if you were trying to hit the SQL goal. The funny thing also that I, I love is the intent conversation because you have to build intent somewhere. Like, like exactly. It's not just like a farm where you're like, you know, just like show up and you're like, hello, send me, send me 10 companies that are, that are, that are, would like to buy my software. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's like the 10 conversation is like, like, that's why I I'm in marketing ops and like, I get annoyed with marketing attribution all the time because oh, we just got X amount from S, like brand searches. We should start investing in Google's like brand searches and on, on Google, we need to put more money in there. But like someone heard about your brand somewhere else. It's not like, it's not Google that's giving you that brand search. They heard you in a Facebook ad. They heard you in an audience. They heard you somewhere else. They didn't heard here, but, and they get so annoyed that people just like say, Oh, the, since it was the one that created the con- conversion, it's the end all be all channel now. Yeah, I love that. You're like, no, what what was the thing that, to your point, as the marketing ops guy, you're like, no, you, I want to know what was the thing that drove the Google search? <laughs> oh, they heard, they heard us on so-and-so's podcast. How do we go do more podcasts, right? That's like the actual strategy conversation. Yeah, because like th- what happens a lot in companies that I see is like, the tent bucket is like the marketing attribution is the last line of defense of the every, all the buying motion happened before that someone talked to a customer, someone saw a YouTube video, someone heard a podcast, someone researched your blog, someone saw you in G2 crowd. And then they're like, okay, it's the last straw that broke the camel's back. Unless you're like the best direct response marketer in the world and you can convert someone off a Facebook ad to buy a SaaS product that is like, if you're that good, then good job. But like most companies aren't that good. Okay. I'm looking at that Seth Godin thing, that quote again, like with this context, right? Like remember remember he talks about like your job is to tell your, if you're in B2B, you're selling to people who have to tell a story to their boss, right? All this social media and content stuff that we've been talking about gets gets bottled up by that, which is like the story that works so well to tell. Look, there's a lot of products out there, but like, Dan, you're my boss. I want to buy from this company because like their product is great, obviously. And they got these case studies and whatever, but like they know their shit. I've been following their their blog. I've been reading their blog for for two years now. I'm on their email list. I think their CEO is super smart. And I think they have a really unique perspective on the world beyond the product, right? Like that's the like feeling that I want to achieve when I'm thinking about brand building in, in, in B2B. And so often in B2B, when you're selling to people at work, the way to win is through expertise. And so the best way to position your brand and to build your brand is around ex- is around expertise in that we are experts in this thing that you are trying to get solved, right? For example, right now, per- personally for me, for DGMG, I'm trying to find a, like a content agency to help me scale content production. The thing that's going to get on my radar is an agency who 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 I look at who they've worked with, but like as one, you got to have social proof and credibility. But like 
can they teach me something? Can they, can they show me that like, I'm, I could be doing it this way. Like we want to, we want expertise. We want to be led. And I think that the brand marketing opportunity in B2B is to be the expert. And the way you execute on that is, is through content. And so you're not just posting memes, like us talking about being active on social media. doesn't mean just like post memes and cat gifts. I'd almost rather, rather you go the other way and focus on expertise. And so often in B2B, the founders who started this company, they didn't start it because like this was a, a fun idea that they wanted to go test and work on. It's like they had some they had some prior experience or saw something that was fundamentally broken or or have like you know, have some story around this, some deep knowledge and expertise, and that's why they started the company in the first place. It's crazy because the best thing a lot of these B two B companies do, and like Drift did it with you, and you built your brand, but like you have to hire someone, a marketer that knows the audience like like you know like if i wanted to tap someone to know b2b marketers like and sell to b2b marketers i'll say dave dave dg you take over my audience like if i wanted someone to sell to plumbers i'll try to find someone who knows a lot about plumbers to sell it to them because exactly like i couldn't go tomorrow and sell something to cybersecurity folks i say that I i say that exact line all the time i'm like i I would be the I would be a terrible marketing person for a cybersecurity company because I don't know how those people think, how those people work. I've been in marketing, B two B marketing for a decade, and so I've learned a bunch about it. I think that's that's such an important point. Is like you gotta you gotta know. I I love the hiring thing, by the way, which is like because that that shows the approach you take as a marketing leader, which is like who's someone in this space. Look at look at outreach. Why do you think outreach acquired Sales Hacker? Right, like that—that that helps them build authority and have an audience in, in that space. Like that's that's what you want to try to build. They they went and bought it, but like, can you do that at at your company? That's a, the exact approach. One last question, then I'll give you the last minute to promote anything you want to promote. But I like to ask everybody a question. This question is like, what do you think most marketers are doing wrong today? I think we're just. I'm guilty of this too. We just kind of we kind of conform to the tools and tactics and get really focused on the day-to-day blocking and tackling and don't have enough thinking around like where marketing fits in the overall company strategy because I think that just doing marketing tactics in a vacuum is one thing but like marketing is a revenue function for the business and so marketing can't just like make some webinars and write blog posts and like revenue is going to happen. You have to understand product is a humongous piece of this that we haven't talked about at all today, right? Like you have to understand, like there has to be a, a, stra- a company strategy, a strong product vision and roadmap. And like all that stuff has to be integrated into all the things that we're talking about today. Like this is a very high level content and social media discussion but like the, the ultimate way to win is to ha- is to have the best product and have the best marketing. And so I think like as a marketer I'm like give give me the best product. I would love to do marketing on, on on that thing because like you know that that's if you can go and tell that story and so when you have all that baked in and so you're not just doing this content but like you have a huge product launch event, you know, next month and people are, you know, customers are raving about your 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 product and you're doing uh, a targeted dinner in a city and you have two huge new cool feature launches that you're doing. Like all that stuff has to matter to your customers. And so I think marketers that are listening to this, like this should just be the reminder. And I make this mistake a lot still. You put all the things on yourself as a marketer when 
and everyone wants to push on you, but you need to be at the table pushing back on product, pushing back back on the the other teams across the company. It's not just on you to like make up stories and put them on the website and and, and sell. It's got to be embedded in the product strategy of the company. Yeah, I mean, we can go forever on that. I have opinions on pipeline and like generating pipeline based on like what we could sell to that TAM in the future, like because like that, and you need that in product roadmap. But I want to give you the last minute or two to talk about like what you're doing and i'll give you a quick shout out to like if you are a b2b marketer i highly recommend you check out dgmu he's dave's university and check out his content and his community because it's probably the easiest investment and i always say this about myself and i've I'm getting better and better at this, but the, the best investment you can ever make is in yourself, whether it's like your, your, your wisdom, your health. Like I just recently like did Barry's bootcamp just, and I would hate the price of it, but like investing in myself was more important than like the price of like Barry's bootcamp. So just a shout on there. Before yeah. You I, pre- I appreciate that. Yeah. So you, you, it, it, everything is at my website, Dave, Dave But the, the two second pitch is, when I left Drift, I really wanted to start something of, of my own in the B2B marketing space. And so what I started was a private podcast on Patreon where I just was like sharing my thoughts. That morphed into people wanted a community. And so we created a community out of it. And there's 3,000 B2B marketing members. And it's the same thing that I feel, which is like, it's just so great to talk to other people who are doing the same thing you're doing every day. So you can make the investment in yourself. It's, it's 10 bucks a month. DGMG University is where I have like probably... 70 videos and templates like campaign campaign planning, budgeting and all that stuff. Anyway, check it out. It's it's all my website, but I I'm passionate about it because as a first-time marketer myself, I had to figure all this stuff out. And the way that I did that was I was lucky to have a mentor like Mike Volpe uh helping me, but I would go to events like Saster and I would just like invest all of my time watching talks on YouTube and listening to podcasts. I got obsessed with learning about it. And I think that I'm in a position now where I can like curate some of the best content on B2B marketing. And yes, it's a membership site, but because I've, what I've found is when people pay for it, the commitment is so much, so much insanely higher. And also I think that the SEO game in the marketing space has gone to crap. And so I, I want to win by having the, the best content for B2B marketers. And so if you want to be part of that, it'd be cool. And you can go and check it out on my site. Other than that, I appreciate you having me on. This has been a blast. I could talk about marketing for you forever. And so maybe we'll do a part two sometime. Hit me up. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day and keep building Drift to be a monster brand. I will. I will.